All right, so here's what I want to do. Every time I try to teach a little bit, I always want to do a little bit about the Bible study. And, you know, I think what I want to do today is talk a little bit for just a second about why Cliff and I are so excited about what we do when we train people on on the Bible study program that we do. It's coming up, um, starting at the end of July, we'll do a Wednesday night program on that. Again, shameful plug. I'm just not bashful about that. I'm going to have to drink water today or I really will be coughing all day. So what I want to do with this piece of paper is twofold, okay? First of all, I want to just give you a little quick of an outline how you can use just a sheet of paper because truly when I put together a study or a plan uh, for, for a lesson, I use that not that sheet of paper, but a sheet of paper just like that, okay? So what I want you to do is take it and fold it in half. That's a great comment. Uh, like a book, not like a skinny book, a thick book. Does that make sense? Turn it, turn it lengthwise and fold it in half, okay? This is something that, that, that really helps me, okay? All I'm going to do you today, I'm not going to go through the whole program. I'm just going to give you some hints of it, and then we're going to use it to, to show you why we use that piece of paper, Okay. So any Bible study program that I've been a part of has four basic concepts, right? And, and the concepts are this, prayer, okay, observation, uh, interpretation, and application. I'm just going to put apply, okay? Those are the four icons of, of basically most Bible study programs. So you want to start by praying, which sounds kind of interesting, but it's really, really important. I, the way I describe this is you want to spend just a few minutes in time when you're studying the Bible. And we're going to get into a passage today. Don't worry. I'm just going to share a little bit of this with you. Um, when, you when you're studying the Bible, you want to pray in the beginning. And it sounds almost trite. But if you think about what this book is, it's a book about a relationship. And what I think we do when we pray about this is that we're inviting our friend into the relationship, the relationship of opening the word and actually having the words minister to it. You know, think about your relationship with any other friend. If they're a good friend, they don't invade you, right? And so in, in a manner of speaking, I think we're asking God to come in and just be part of our study that time. And what I really like to do on this part of the page is I want to, uh, I want to journal my prayer. I can tell you that has paid off for me huge dividends. Because if you want evidence of God in your life, write down your, your prayer while you study. And then when you come back to it, you'll see how he's answered it. I, I have seen it too many times. So I, I didn't say one thing. What you do with the four pages, there's, this is where you do the work. So you basically have a little book right there that is praying, observing, interpretation, and application. You have room to do it all. And not so much room that you go chasing rabbits. It's kind of cool. It kind of works really well. So you can write down the little things about that and, and, and do that. So prayer is our first thing. Now, observation. This is the next step. So you would open your book up. And on the, on the inside part of that, this is where I, would, I do my, interp on my application. So I said that wrong. Observation. See, my body's still talking to me, but I'm not listening. All right, so uh, this is where you're just looking for things, okay? Here's the cool thing. I get a lot of people that say that they're just not sure they know what to do in Bible study. Observation is really, really simple because it's just what you, you can't do it wrong. It's impossible to observe in the Bible incorrectly because what is it? It's your observations. All right. So you're, you're not looking for everything. You're looking for the four or five things in that whatever passage you've chosen that you think are important for you to understand that passage. 
and, and I use this all the time. And listen, that's not like a, an etched in stone four to five. It may be one to two. It could be eight or nine, okay? It may be that you start off with two or three, and then you'll, find, and you'll you know, work on those a little bit, and you'll find out that there's actually something else that's a little bit more important. So observation is what do you see? And, and the thing about this prayer, I also put in here reading, okay? And we're going to talk about that in just a second. But reading a passage multiple times, it, you know how to, you, you just have to do that. All right? so it's one of the things I'm, I'm not crazy about in the, that we get taught when, when we read, those, read the Bible in your thing. We think that we got to go through it like it's a race kind of thing. And if there is one word that I would use to describe what I think has helped me the most in Bible study, it's the paradigm shift of slowing down. You know, Cliff is the expert at slowing down in the passage, right? He's really good. And I've learned that too in Ephesians. I've been in Ephesians a long time. We're going to go back to it today because it keeps giving to me. Started thinking about something that we're going to kind of dig into. And there's a reason we're doing this. So you've got this observation. Don't Make sure you spend just a few minutes in that. And, and make sure you spend some time on this page. And here's the cool thing. This whole little four icon set is self-checking. Because if I can't really find observations, what do I need to do? Go back and read some more, okay? Slow down. That's the word. If you don't remember anything in this little example I'm giving you, slowing down is the one. All right, interpretation. And here's the really cool part that Cliff and I really dig into our program. Your interpretations that we, this is what we kind of figured out that's really cool, is that your interpretations are going to fall into one, I'm sorry, your observations are going to fall into one of two categories. They're either going to be grammatical in nature or they're going to be historical in nature. So when you observe and find the things that you think are important and you figure out what, whether they're grammatical or historical, then you just have to go to the resources that are grammatically inclined or historically inclined. And that gives me a ton of focus and gives me, because again, I've not been to seminary. I'm, I'm, I'm a Bible student. And when I talk to Cliff, who's an obvious Bible scholar, I can kind of contribute to the conversation. He's going to come over and wash over the top of him like a big old huge wave, all right? But there are going to be some words. I've given you my, I, you know, I've, I've told you my story about how when I talk to Cliff and I think I know a little something about the Bible, suddenly I know what it's like to be my dog. Have I shared that with you? Yeah, because I, you know, my dog, we say go outside, you know, and, and go bye-bye in the car and puppy tree, and he wags his tail, right? And when I think I know something about the Bible, I'll talk to Cliff, and he'll say Bible and Jesus, and I know those words, and I'll wag my tail. And he says, the rest of it, I don't understand it all, right? I know it's like to be my dog, right? But, but this, I don't want to say it levels the playing field, because I'll never know what Cliff knows. But this takes me to a whole new level where I can really share it, and I love this part of it. And then the, the part that Cliff says that really helps, that gets overlooked, is this last one, application. This is where Bible study comes alive. And if you don't do it, then you're just, you're kind of getting that Cliff Clavin knowledge, you know what I mean? Where you just know all this stuff, but what have you done with it? The application moves that, that knowledge out of our head into the motion parts of our body, into the heart. And it's, it starts, you ever notice that Cliff stops every class with an application, and even sometimes during the middle, what are the, what's the first two words of his application? Can anybody remember? What if, okay? We teach that same thing in this class. It's the best place. What if the next time, or what if tomorrow? If you don't do this, what good is all this? It's good knowledge, but it can't really minister to your life. 
And so that's kind of what we do with the application. Now, let me share why we, I think this is so important. So here's what I'm going to do. Take your piece of paper and on the back somewhere, you, you, you can keep the paper as an example of what you do. And if you want some more information on that, I'll be glad to give it to you. And my shameful plug, we're going to do this program on Wednesday nights coming up again when we do our kickoff in the fall session. Was that shameful enough? Yeah, but okay, good. All right, enough of that. All right, so here's what we're gonna. I'm gonna share with you kind of why I think that taking the time to slow down that that paradigm shift of Bible study is so important. So I want you to write this down, okay? Oh, no, no, don't write this down. I'm gonna give you one instruction, and you're going to write something down, okay? And the one instruction is, and everybody, I love what's fixing to happen because everybody's gonna go, or many people are. But here we go. One instruction. Write directions from here to Kickingbird Golf Course. <laughs> I told you. That's all you get. Write directions from here to Kickingbird Golf Course. I'll give you about a minute. <laughs> and here's what's more. I'm going to pick a few of them up, so make sure you do it, all right? <laughs> Right directions from here to Kickingbird Golf Course. You guys may have to bring them to me. I don't think I can walk that far. <laughs> okay, we're getting there. <laughs> All right, hold on. We'll get them. I'm going to give you a minute. Make sure you do good because I, I, I'm going to come get some of them. Directions from here to Kickingbird Golf Course. A lot of grins out in the audience today, so in the class. Not audience, you're not audience, you're our family. About 30 more seconds. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, I went to Cabo, right? It was worth it. 15 seconds. Everybody's quieting it down. Okay, you're doing good. I'm just going to randomly pick up some. Who's got one? Let me have this one. All right, very good. All right. Oh, here we go. This is good. Like this. If you want your sheet of paper back, we'll get you a new. We'll get you a fresh one. All right. Who else got one? Somebody raise your hand. Here's one right here. Oh wow, this is good. Here we go. We'll take these two. These two. One more. Somebody's going right over here. Brother Paul. All right. Sorry, I'm making so much noise. I'm just noisy in general. All right. Well, let's take a look at these, shall we? All right. So the first one is. The word here, a down arrow, kicking bird. Good luck with that one, right? Well, well done. I know that was Carol or Doug. Was it Doug? Who did? Oh, okay. Got it. All right, here we go. So here, yeah, down there, kicking bird. Here we go. All right, so this next one says, uh, down here at the bottom, go east on 33rd to Bryant, then a little dash, go north on Bryant to Danforth, dash, Proceed north, uh, plus sign, and golf is on northeast corner. All right, that's getting better, right? It's better than here, kicking bird, right? We're getting there, okay? All right. Oh, there we go. We're thinking, all right? All right, here's an important detail on this one. Leave crossings. Hey, hey, all right? Okay, that's good words. Go to, go to, uh, uh, to Portland, okay? Right, dash, Danforth. To Bryant, okay? Okay, we're getting there. Get some general vicinities. A couple more here. All right, this one's pretty easy. Uh, north to Danforth, east to Coltrane, okay? 
So, okay, we got that one. A little different each time, right? Okay, hey, here we go. This is the one. I always get this one here. Turn on your GPS, okay? <laughs> Type in Kickingbird Golf Course. Press go, all right? <laughs> yeah, if we'd have said that in the 60s, can you imagine what that would have been like, right? Or the 70s or the 80s for that matter, okay? Or the 90s, all right? Uh, where we go? Uh, where's my directions? Somebody handed me. Oh, here we go. Go west on 150 to Bryant, north to Coltrane, okay? And the final one, Portland, north, four miles to 192nd on Danford. Turn right or east and continue to Bryant, southeast corner. Very good, all right? So we got some more. Now, I got all these. Are any of these the same? None of these are the same. They're all completely different. And every time I do that, this exercise like this, it illustrates the point extremely well. Okay? So why did each person, do you think, write the directions the way they wrote? Their interpretations. Somebody else. Their remembrance of how to get there. Their everything they've experienced in their life is why they wrote that direction the way they did, correct? Okay, so then how can we read a book of the Bible, a verse of the Bible, one time and define what we think it's about? Okay, that, that's why we do this. It, let, let me ask this question, okay? Is the Bible written to you? Yes. You sure? Is the Bible written to you? Ah, it's a little different, isn't it? So when was the Bible, most of the Bible written? Approximately 2,000 years ago, right? So, were you alive 2,000 years ago? No. Some of us, okay? I feel like I was, all right? <laughs> all right? So, all right, was the Bible written to a society that has anything to do with the way we live today? All right? Did Paul know you when he wrote these letters? No. Yeah, real. that's a good point, all right? So, you see what I'm saying? This is why what, when Cliff and I talk about all this Bible studying and why we take these, these, these steps is because that... When, when I do it, I use the word flavor. I'm not a Bible scholar, okay? I'm probably not going to go do some archaeological dig and find out that kind of level of history. I'm, I may not go to seminary, may or may not go to seminary, in my, seminary, seminary okay, right? uh, in my life. But I can still do some things by just slowing down and taking a look at things that will help me to understand. You know, I, I like it, um, I liken it unto eating a steak. You can go get a piece of meat. You can put it on the grill and cook at the right temperature. And sometimes that's okay. But isn't the steak better if you take the rub, right? And you kind of let it marinate. And then you let it sit out for about 45 minutes. You do a couple other things. And then you put it on the grill and you watch that time a little bit to make sure you've done the right things. What does that do? That brings out the flavor. So if we can kind of marinate, if you will, our scriptures a little bit more. And, and slow that process down rather than just slapping it on the grill, okay? Because I don't know about you, this is the way my Bible study was most of the time in my life. Anybody can buy your Bible here for just one second? This, this is my approach to Bible study. Okay, God. <laughs> then I'd look for my glasses, okay? And I go, as for the terror of you, the arrogance of your heart has deceived you, okay? Well, what I think that means is, and that's how I do it, right? There might be, there might be a little bit more to understanding that. And that's what we kind of try to do in, in, in these passages, all right? So here's what let's do. Let's go to our passage for today. Um, 
Here it is. Very good. Therefore, I. That's not good. This thing is falling apart. That's me. Yeah. I'm glad you're here, Doug. <laughs> All right, so let's read this. And let's read this multiple times because that's, that's what I really like to do. So, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility, gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another, and love being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. All right, let's read that one more time. Let's just let these words flow over you and just see about this observation thing if certain words don't just start popping up in your head, okay? And I don't care whether it's a comma. I don't care whether it's the word the, excuse me. Uh, I don't care what it is. What, let, let your mind go. Is there some word that captures your attention that you think would be important for you to understand the passage, Okay. And it's different. My, what I'm going to gather out of it will always be different from you. We'll just take a look at that for a second. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Okay? Now, what words are jumping out? Where's my pen? What words are jumping out off the page at you right now? Anything at all? Anything at all? I. I. It's interesting, okay? I. Therefore. therefore. Hey, what does Cliff say? If, it's, if you see the word therefore, what do you got to do? You got to see what it's? Therefore. Come on, we've been listening. All right, that's good. Therefore. So what does that therefore tell us? Got to go back. There's more to that passage, right? So we're not at the beginning of the thought, right? Good one. What else? Tolerance. Tolerance. That word. I didn't do that. I'm just standing perfectly. I did? I probably did. Okay. It's my body talking to me again. You guys just got to hear it that time. All right, so here we go. So any other words? Patience is a good word. All right? So my point here is that these words kind of do fall out of us. We just got to learn what to do with them. Okay? What these words could be grammatical in nature. They could be context in nature, like the word therefore, or tolerance and patience might be grammatical in nature, understanding what those words mean. And that's what we're going to kind of do. When I spoke last time, I talked a little bit from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, when we talked about the enemy. Hopefully you remember just a little bit about that, where we looked at the plausibility of fighting the enemy that we're up against. And if you'll remember, Ephesians 6, 12 talks about our enemy is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, right? And we compared that to the story of Gideon and that how that army that Gideon was facing was just implausible for them to fight. And we compared that back to the enemy that we were facing, right? Do you remember that? And what we looked at were two verbs. And see how we're doing some grammatical stuff here. There was two verbs that we looked at how we, uh, when we're facing that enemy, that is just, it's, it does not make sense for us to fight the battle, does it? Okay? When, we're, when you look at the true enemy we're against. So where we sit in that battle matters, right? And if you remember, we looked back in Ephesians chapter 1. That's in Ephesians chapter 6, 12, that verse about the enemy. We went back to Ephesians chapter 1, and we, we looked about where does Jesus sit? 
in this. At the right hand of God, and there were two words that really caught my attention. Far above all dominion, power, and rule. That's what we looked at last time. And the really cool thing was that's where Jesus sits. So the one we serve is seated far above and he's got his foot on top of the enemy and all that. Now, where do we sit? Do you remember what we talked about? Right next to him, all right? Because God lifted us and seated us right next to him. And the words of being seated there is real interesting because how, how Jesus is seated there, is, it, it, that word implies being appointed, Okay, and all I did was look up in the uh, grammatical aspect of this thing, just look at that, what that word meant compared to the way we're seated. We're like gathered around him, right? That's the way that word is seated. So we're far above him, okay? And we looked at that. And then we also looked at how we, um, how we stand in the face of that enemy. Remember that? And how it's not our job to understand the plan, but it's just our job to be there and do what we're told and that kind of thing. So we, don't have to, we don't have to design the plan. We just have to be a, be a part of it. Well, today in Ephesians chapter one, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter four, that's where we're at. This is Ephesians chapter four, verses one through three. What verb are we talking about today? Walk. So in Ephesians, we're talking about where we sit and where we walk. And finally, in chapter six is where we stand. And I'm going to look at the word walk just for a few minutes today. Um, and it's interesting to me that there's a change in, in the enemy. Let's back up from Ephesians chapter 6. You know what? Let me pull this up for you. Because I want you to see one of the websites that we use a lot anyway. So I'm going to come out of this and I'm going to come over here. I am in, if you can see my, uh, my address bar up there, it's biblehub.com. Raise your hand if you're using this out here. Or Blue Letter Bible, either one. Okay, Blue Letter Bible am, uh, is an app, free app on Android and and. Uh, uh, Apple, yeah, they're both on there, okay? But Bible Hub just came out with their own app. And I like them both for different reasons. I use them both. Matter of fact, I will use them both today, okay? So um, you can kind of see. And what I'm on, this is how cool this is. And I always like to make sure that everybody has a chance to see this kind of thing. I'm in the wrong, we're gonna go to that in a minute. Um, I'm teaching the whole Bible today because Cliff said I could. And uh, <laughs> so... Uh, he only gets to teach one chapter, but he didn't give me any clarification then. Okay, here we go. So we're in Ephesians chapter 4. Oh, I was told you about the enemy. I'm sorry, I got off track. Let's go back to Ephesians. I want to I establish something different about the enemy from Ephesians chapter 6. Here's our verse from last time, right? For our struggle is not in verse 12 right here. Can you see me circling that? All right. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of darkness. Okay, we've talked about that. Look prior to that. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against what? Schemes of the devil. That word schemes captures my attention. Does it get your attention? Put on the full armor of God. That's an imperative statement from Paul. It's not something he's suggesting. It's a command. Okay? It's not a declarative statement. Those are kind of things we look for, right? This is a command from God. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. All right, so look at this word schemes. Anybody ever looked at this word? Look what it is, and it's really interesting when you look at it in, uh, in the original language here. What's the word? What does that sound like? The methodic approach to the devil, because isn't that how he comes about in our day? There's a methodic approach that the devil has taken. I have noticed it in my own life, okay? And, and, and it's going to play into, I think, this verse that we're talking about from Paul here, about um, 
this, about how this enemy is different. The, how, you know, we've got to put on the full armor of God. That word I'll just give you is panoplia, right? And I think I've mentioned that, that before in here. The, the panoplia means that there's all these parts, okay? And you've got to put on all the parts of God. So remember I said that the arm, armor of God is not a onesie, right? So it's, it's, it's not like a onesie pajamas. You've got to put that. That's a joke, y'all. Come on, stay with me here, right? Okay, that was pretty good, I thought, all right? So um, maybe I've just said it too many times. All right, so, um, but here... And the, the other thing I want to note is that put on the full armor of God so that you can be made able. That word, that's the Greek word histemi, and it means it doesn't reek of a lot of individual achievement. It talks about how you're made able to stand by all the panoplia, all the full armor of God, so that you can stand up against this methodic approach of the devil, okay? Um, let's reread Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 1, one more time. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. That phrase, uh, imploring to walk in a manner worthy of, of the calling with which you have been called. Let that wash over you for just a second. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you have been called. How important is the calling that you have been called with? Vitally, right? Is there anything more important to you than the calling with which you have been called? And Paul is here imploring that we walk in a manner worthy of that calling. That engages me in my life, personally. And I want to pay attention to the words after. We're going to look at them just quickly, but I'm going to give you an example uh, of somebody that I thought walked in a manner worthy, a worthy manner walk. I had a friend of mine named Kim who passed away a few years back, a number of years back now. And I, I, w- I was just so impressed with, um, Kim was this vibrant woman, um, and uh, she, she taught at Oklahoma Christian, and um, she, I sang on the praise team with her at, this, at the other church I was at prior to coming here, and she, uh, she contracted stage four breast cancer. You never knew it. I never, I mean, I knew it, but you never saw it. Does that make sense? I mean, I, I, you want to talk about somebody who just kept walking in a manner worthy? Let me give you the, I'll give you the short story of this, okay? It's one line, literally short. You know what she did her last day? She got up in the morning. She went to Oklahoma Christian. She taught her class. She went home and she passed away. Now that's a manner worthy. I mean, that's just standing it up in the face. That's walking to me in a manner worthy. She just had such a great attitude. Um, and when we all probably have stories of somebody who has stood in the face of a real tragedy and a real storm and they've just kept that walk going. Sometimes it's enough that we are just continuing to walk, isn't it? But we're not walking alone. And Paul is imploring us to walk in a manner worthy. So let's take a look at these words because what are the characteristics? Let me erase this real quick and put this over here. What would you say, based on your observations really quick, are the, are the, what are your observations of, of the walk? What do we have? To, what are the parts of the walk? I can't say this, okay? My body's still talking to me. All right, let's keep going. Somebody shout them out. Humble, gentle. Humble. humility, 
<laughs> can't even hold the pin. Here we go. Humility. What's the other one? Gentleness. Gentleness. Patience. And what's the last one? Huh? Love. Oh, tolerance in love. Okay. Tolerance. And we'll just say slash love. Toler that's supposed to be tolerance. Okay. And love. Okay. Just go with me on. No English teachers can grade that right now. All right. So let's just take a look at these words real quickly. Again, here's what I'm trying to do. I'm going to make the steak a little bit better. Okay. But put some garlic sauce on it. We're going to grill it the right way. I'm going to put some rub on it. Let's, let's take a look at this word humility. And, and actually, I like the definition that I saw. It made more sense to me when I went to the um, Blue Letter Bible. So I'm going to go to that. Any, anybody in here using Blue Letter Bible? Yeah, a lot of people like that. It's a great, I think it's faster. But right here, look at this definition. I go to tools. This is the website. I think the app is actually easier to use. And here is the, and all I did, I want to make sure you saw that. Let me go back so you can see. Here is the verse, okay? So I've chosen right here the NASB. Under Blue Letter, it's blueletterbible.org if you want the actual website. The app, again, I think is a little bit easier. When you're in the app, you just touch the verse and this, this tool menu will, will pop up. So I hit the tool menu on the, uh, on the uh, website here. And I go to the Strong's definition and I click on this uh, definition of the word. And I really like what it says down here. Um, where was it? Oh, I remember what it is. It's where, here's another thing I like to do. Now look, understand that when I'm doing the, this work right here, this is the grammatical aspect of, of looking at the words. I'm not trying to interpret the Bible. I'm not a Bible scholar. I'm merely looking for the flavor that gives me the understanding of the word that helps me draw it in personally. Okay, I, I'm not out there trying to, you know, make Chris's New Testament version of the Bible. I'm, don't do that, okay? Um, but, here, but here's where I did with this. This is where I thought was interesting. I got to find it. Uh, it was where it came from that was really interesting. Uh, give me one second. I had it. Compound of, maybe it's this right here. Low degree, cast down. It talked about in a lowly, oh, there it is. Not rising far from the ground. That just spoke to me. That's humility. Not rising far from the ground. I was watching the movie. It's so funny. I was working on this lesson about humility. Anybody ever seen the movie back from the 90s um, called The Edge with Alec Baldwin? And uh, who's else is it? Uh, who's the main, the other actor that's the guy I'm actually trying to talk about? Huh? Anthony Hopkins. Very good. Thank you, sir. All right. Anthony Hopkins is in there. He's plays this billionaire and he's got all this money and everybody's, you know, is always worried about him. He's got this great, great, humble attitude. He just keeps himself low to the ground. Right? I think about Abraham. When Abraham was right before God, when he was 99 years old and, and, and the Lord appeared to him, what did Abraham do at age 99? Face down in the ground, not far off the ground. Let me tell you, if, if I'm 99 years old and I'm on my face on the ground and it's not an accident, it's going to be a pretty special event. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so uh, that's the way I think about that. But uh, that's humility, this not rising far from the ground. That definition, hear how that gives me just a little bit of flavor? That's what I was looking for. Let's go to the next word, okay? The next word is gentleness, and I love this one, okay? Um, I gotta go back. I'm gonna go back to our, uh, I think I'm gonna go back to, there it is. I'm gonna go back to the biblehub.com. The next word is gentleness. Look at, look at the definition, look at the flavor. Again, let's just use, call that word. The flavor expresses power with reserve. That's gentleness. Power with reserve. Let me give you an example of this, what I think. 
two things. First of all, this is the Bugatti Veyron. It's over a million dollar car. All right? This car is, when they advertise it, it's over a million dollars is what it costs, right? It has like 1,200 horsepower and a top speed of 258 miles an hour. 258 miles an hour. They actually detuned it because it would, it's actually the fastest street production car before they detuned it because it'll actually do 268, but they were scared at 268 the tires and wheels might disintegrate. <laughs> I don't go that fast. My tires are going to disintegrate. I'm just saying. Right? I don't even want to know how much the tires are or the brakes or anything on this thing. That's a car. Now, if you have that vehicle, that thing's got a lot of power. Have you ever seen somebody in a really hot car drive it really hard? What do you think about it? Doesn't look right, does it? That's, that's power without reserve. They're just flying down the road as fast as they can go. You know, if you got some guy that's got this big hot rod and he's at the stoplight, and I'm in my Honda Accord, which I had before, and I'm up there trying to gig, gig, you know, let's go see what he can do, right? And he stomps on the gas. Everybody around him is like, look at that yo-yo, right? Tearing up his car, right? That's power without reserve. Now, on the other hand, let's see if, see if this rings a bell. Anybody remember that show? <laughs> Grizzly Adams. Who'd he play with? Who was his playing partner? A grizzly bear, right? All right. That, so he had the power, but what kind of person was he? Gentle. That's power. With I've got a really good friend that is kind of like Grizzly Adams. I've known him since I was five years old. He's been like my brother, my brother from another mother, we say. All right? He is like a great friend of mine, and he could rip me limb for limb. He probably should have a number of times, okay, growing up with me, all right? You remember those old Beetle Bailey sad sacks, and, you know, when, when Sarge just pummels Beetle Bailey? I probably should have looked like that a bunch of times hanging around with Jay because he would be mowing in the backyard. He's a big guy. I mean, he's about 5'10", you know, and, and they still show from, we were in high school and graduated in 82, they still show the video of him at Edmond High School on how to tackle. He only played one year of football, but he's just such a beast of a guy. He's, got, he's so powerful, right? And I'd sneak up behind him while he was mowing and go, you know, and he'd jump straight up, right? And then he'd hold me with one hand by my ankles and <laughs> don't do that, right? But you can't rile Jay up. He's a big man, but he's also got a lot of love in him. And I respect that in him, Okay. And, um, and, he, and that's what I think about when I think. And then patience. Um, there was something really cool about that patience. I can't remember if it is off the top of my head. I'm going to pull it back up here. Let's take a look at that word. So you got it right here. Um, gentle strength, which expresses power with reserve. That's gentleness. Is that flavor helping? With patience. Let's see if there was something here. Oh, yeah, this... Uh, Long passion, waiting sufficient time before expressing anger. Man, I wanted to spend a lot of time in that. Um, is, uh, there's a whole lot more in this. I'm just going to keep it at that. Long passion, waiting sufficient time before expressing anger. Well, wouldn't that help a lot of us? That helped me. Long time before expressing anger, especially at 5 o'clock when you're trying to go somewhere in Oklahoma City on Hefner Parkway, right? That's the time that gets me the most. All right. <clears throat> now, let me ask you a question. I'm sorry I'm coughing, y'all. <clears throat> Why do you think that Paul uses the word implore when he's talking about these characteristics? I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Let's pull up that word. Uh, to make a call from being close up and personal. I want you to see that. Paul is saying... I implore you 
to do this. Why do you think he's done that? It is important. What'd you say? He, lived it the other way. he did. He lived it the other way, didn't he? And that's why I came back to the Ephesians 6, 11, and I talked about, I, I just kind of think that, um, that Paul, I had a note I wanted to write, read here. It appears, I think that Paul knew the effects of the methodia. It appears to me, looking at this whole letter in it completely, that Paul knew that the methodic schemes of the devil produced characteristics in God's people that impede that worthy walk. You know what I mean? That, that when we're not using things like humility and gentleness and patience in our daily walk, it impedes our ability to walk in a manner worthy. And he knew that. And the reason I say that is, look at the last verse of this chapter in Ephesians chapter 4, real quickly with me. Here's what I think is the opposites. It's in verse, it's actually 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Flip side, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. I, I just, I see that is that so many times I, in my life, I have used those things because, and, and I'm just going to say this real quick and we're going to be done here pretty quickly, but I just want to say that I've noticed in my life, there are times that I just look to be offended. You ever get like that? I'm not, and when I'm doing that, I'm not using words like humility and gentleness, that power with reserve. That word actually really spoke to me a bunch. I'm not using those words. I'm using anger. And they just don't produce in me the walk that I want. And it's not what I want to do. Has anybody in here gotten what they wanted out of being anger or slanderous or anything like that? I haven't either. Why, you know, if, if I had a medicine cabinet, all right, and I opened it up and I had this worst headache and I could go in there and I'd look at the medication and I'd say, all right, most effective, uh, most expensive. Maybe not, okay. Uh, uh, most expensive, least effective. Anger. Yeah, let's try that one. Most expensive, least effective. Pop that off and I use that one. I wouldn't do that, would I? But that's what I, sometimes I do that. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not beating up anybody. That's, this, this stuff spoke to me. That word gentleness, when I really paid attention to it and I started thinking about that methodic approach to the devil, when I'm not using words like, when I'm not seeing words in my life like that, that's when, I'm, that's when I need to pay attention. I was going to spend some time in 1 Samuel chapter 24 where David is in a cave and King Saul comes in. You ought to check that out. I'll give you the brief on it and then we'll, we'll finish out here today. But, but King David, no, he's not King David. David is in, a, in the back of a cave in the Engedi. I've got a picture of the Engedi I was going to sh show you. It, it's this big hilly country and there's these caves everywhere, right? Yeah, he cuts that. And I saw that. That was a great illustration. Thank you. <laughs> the, he's in, a, in the back of a cave and of all the caves in the Engedi, here comes Saul walking in here. And David has in his mind, could come with every justification to kill Saul at that point in time. He knows he's going to be the king. He knows Saul's not going to be the king. King Saul's been trying to kill him every time, trying to do everything to end his life. And his buddies are all saying, hey, here's your chance. This has got to be the time. Saul's walked in of all the caves anywhere in the whole world. He walks in the cave that we just happen to be hanging out in, trying to get out of the heat for a few minutes. But David doesn't do it. He actually sneaks up quietly while... Saul is taking care of some business, and um, he, <laughs> just leave that alone, okay, and he, uh, 
cuts off a piece of his robe. And he actually feels guilty about that because he knows Saul is the anointed. And instead, do you hear that? Do you hear that humility in his life? That humility that King Saul actually had in the beginning is the reason why God chose him in the kingship. And do you see that, that, that gentleness in David? What is David known as being other than the man after God's own heart? What else is he also known? He's the, what kind of king was he? The warrior king, right? So he's got the power. Remember, David killed his tens of thousands. Saul killed his thousands. David killed his, so he's a warrior, right? So he's got the power, but you see the gentleness, the power with resolve in David's life. Was he patient with King Saul? Man after God's own heart. He was patient with him. He was tolerant with him. Everything that, everything, quite frankly, that Saul was not with him. So all of the things that King Saul's doing, those words are completely out of his walk. And they're all in David's walk. And he would not kill the anointed of God. So my application for you today is this. What if the next time I catch myself getting angry over a situation, I consider my walk? Is my walk at that point worthy of the manner with which I have been called? What if I measure my walk against the characteristics of such fine words as humility, gentleness, patience, and tolerance and love? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your words. Lord, thank you that your words are not simple like sea spot run, Father, that they do require us to dig in. That if we do that, Father, that you, that you will give us the flavor that we need. That these words will minister to us. And may they minister to us today, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.